And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Sturt, an attorney at Mauk and Baker. We're a Christian law firm in Chicago. Uh, if you have any legal needs, give us a call, 312-726-1243. Today, we're going to talk with Casey Maddox, Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Academic Freedom with Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, we're going to be talking with Casey uh, to Casey about the current climate of the freedom of speech in the United States. Casey, it is so great to have you on. It is great to be on. Thanks for having me. Well, there's so much going on, uh, and I know the Supreme Court had just decided— uh, a pretty big free speech uh, case. Uh, tell us more about kind of what the work of the Center uh, for Academic Freedom does and kind of what your role is. Sure. Well, the Center for Academic Freedom is uh, the, the part of ADF that works on uh, student free speech rights on university campuses. Uh, so we have a team of uh, four attorneys. Uh, we're hiring. If, uh, if you're an attorney interested in, uh, in ADF, we do have an open position uh, on my team. Um, and uh, basically we litigate uh, against universities that violate the First Amendment, and uh, that is quite a few. So we've been in, involved in 14 different uh, li- in litigation against 14 different schools over the pa- past uh, year alone. Um, so that's, that's basically what we do. We, we sue schools when they violate the First Amendment, and there's plenty of opportunities to do that. Yeah, let's focus on a couple of them because, again, uh, it's remarkable to me, uh, having engaged in, in some of these lawsuits myself, uh, just how brazen these schools are and uh, just how persistent they are even after they lose time and again in the court. So let's talk about the Cal State San Marcos uh, funding case because that's a little different than your sure. typical free speech case. So uh, tell our audience more about that case because I think it's a very important one and I think it's uh, kind of shows an underbelly of these universities uh, and kind of what goes on. Sure. Well, you know, most of the time when people think about uh, what's going on, on, on uh, with respect to the First Amendment on university campuses, they think of speech codes and speech zones, you know, uh, rules that tell students what they can say and where they can say it, and all those sorts of policies, and we deal with a lot of those. Um, but Cal State San Marcos really hits uh, a little more directly at the, uh, at the belly of the beast, in a way. Uh, students are required to pay these uh, student activity fees at schools all over the country, and ostensibly what they're for is you pay these student activity fees and they go to support a marketplace of ideas. That's what every school will say. Uh, you're paying into the system and then the money is distributed to student organizations to bring in speakers and to have um, you know, exposure to a wide range of ideas. And uh, unfortunately what we see playing out on university campuses is that they, they don't really live up uh, to that billing. And Cal State San Marcos is a great example. Uh, there we represent a pro-life student group, Students for Life group at Cal State San Marcos. They wanted to bring in uh, a speaker, uh, Mike Adams, uh, who some of your listeners may know. Um, we represented many years ago, uh, or several years ago, at a professor at UNC Wilmington, uh, who's a, a pro-life speaker uh, as well. So they wanted to bring him in and found out that they weren't able to do that because uh, they couldn't use student activity fees to bring in a speaker. The problem is that 
there are these two centers on campus, the LGBTQA Center and the Gender Equity Center, and they are allowed to bring in speakers uh, with student activity fees. So it's a unique um, prohibition on other student groups that the gender equity and the LGBTQ centers get. But on top of all that, the school collects $1.3 million in student activity fees. So we're not supposedly talking to- for this. Uh, right, right. We're not supposedly talking small this, sum, yes. No. And supposedly for this marketplace of ideas, right, $1.3 million, $800,000 goes to pay for salaries of people <laughs> to distribute the other $500,000. Wow. And out of that, uh, that's not even the First Amendment problem. That's just sort of a big government problem, right? Sure. Um, but then even of that, uh, almost $300,000 goes to these two centers, the LGBTQA Center and the Gender Equity Center, they reserve $38,000 for 100 other student groups. Um, so there is no uh, equity in this, right? They're not uh, trying to establish uh, a system where everyone's views gets, get expressed and that there's any kind of fairness in it. They are intentionally elevating the views of those two centers above everyone else. And so Students for Life got $0. That's right. Yeah. $0 for Students for Life. So this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Sterrett, an attorney at the law firm of Malcolm Baker here in Chicago. Today we're with Casey Maddox from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, Casey, this is such important work, um, and there's. Uh, let's talk more about some of the more uh, recent kind of typical examples of suppressing speech on campus. Uh, I know in, from my own litigation that, uh, you know, these administrators, and even though their attorneys when they get in court, uh, they love to trout out and say, oh, this is we don't have free speech zones. We don't have any place you can uh, speak on campus, frankly. Um, and there was actually a group that was handing out constitutions, the Young Americans for Liberty. Talk to us about that case. Sure. Uh, Young Americans for Liberty at Kellogg Community College uh, wanted to form a group. This is in Michigan. Uh, a group wanted to uh, form a student group to advocate for freedom and liberty on campus. And so they did what anyone wanting to start a group like that would do. You go find other people who agree with you. So they went outside and started uh, handing out copies of the Constitution and asking people, do you like freedom and liberty? And when they would find people, uh, then they were getting their names written down so that they could actually get the requisite number of people they would need to form a student group Mm -hmm. at Kellogg Community College. And instead, they were approached by administrators who told them that they're not allowed to do that. Um, that they could not hand out copies of the Constitution and ask a provocative question, uh, according to the administrators, like, do you like freedom and liberty? What was the, uh, the basis reason, for that? Yes. So, the, yeah, the, the kicker uh, is that the reason that they were given is that when you ask a provocative question like that, you force people to stop because people don't know, uh, or that people have to stop when you ask a question like that. <laughs> and that denies them uh, access to an education because they can't, they can't get to their class if they're forced to stop and listen to you. So when the students say, well, they don't have to stop, right? They can just keep walking. And the administrators explain that, well, some of us know that because we are educated people from cities, but they literally said um, that uh, some of these students are from rural farm areas. <laughs> and so they apparently don't know that you don't have to stop when someone asks you a question like, do you like freedom and liberty? Oh, my word. Um, so it's for that reason. They wanted to protect the rural farm students at Kellogg Community College who, who evidently, according to this administrator, don't know that uh, when someone asks a question that you can just keep walking if you'd oh, like to. Oh, man. That's just awful. Yeah, no, they, they, uh, man, I don't know what, if there's a playbook out there that they all uh, follow, but I, I, that was 
largely the same type of excuse and, and reasoning that they used in, in, in our case here uh, in Wabansi Community College. They came in and they, rather than treating college students like the adults that they are, they came in and made arguments that these are the children that were put in our care by these parents and we have to make sure that uh, people that uh, want to have discussions with them uh, you know, don't interfere with their education, yada, yada. So it sounds like the same, right. uh, you know, thing that they're just playing in um, into the courts. And so what would you guys do in that case? So we filed lawsuit, uh, filed a lawsuit there. We filed a motion for preliminary injunction, and that will be argued toward the beginning of August uh, in that case, asking the court to, to put an end to this policy um, and allow these students to be able to, to speak freely on campus. Well, that's remarkable. Uh, Godspeed in that. Uh, Tell our audience how they can find out more about your work and the work of the Alliance Defending Freedom. Because, again, uh, being an attorney in in Chicago, we're a private firm. And so uh, we have to do our business and uh, take a lot of these cases because we we want to fight with the Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, But Alliance Defending Freedom does such great work. And really what they do is they support a a wide network of allied attorneys, uh, myself included, uh, with resources to help take these fights on. So Casey, Casey not only does these cases by himself, but um, with his team, uh, but the Alliance Defending Freedom really wants to encourage this work, but they, they really depend on uh, the contributions of Americans that value the freedom of speech, that value the religious liberty. So Casey, where can uh, people find out more about ADF and your work? Sure. Well, and, and thank you for Malcolm Baker, because you guys are, uh, are superstars uh, in the, among, the, among our allied attorneys uh, working on these issues. So, uh, but you can find us at adflegal.org. Uh, so if you go there, you'll find out a lot of information about uh, the work we're doing, both on the academic freedom space and then, uh, for that matter, today's victory in, in the Trinity Lutheran case uh, and the CERT grant that we just got in the uh, Masterpiece Cake case. So uh, it's, it's quite an exciting day around here. Yeah, so that just so just so you know, uh, ADF has now won several big freedom of speech cases, um, and t- this morning won a, a very good religious liberty case, um, the uh, Trinity Lutheran case. And so you guys need to, to be aware of these cases. ADF is winning cases not only at the district court level but also at the Supreme Court level. Uh, so we've, they've got attorneys that are able to litigate all over the place. Uh, also, I would encourage you, if you if you can, follow Casey Maddox on Twitter. Uh, he's quite quite active on Twitter, uh, quite an entertaining follow. Uh, he will not only keep you abreast of what's going on in the law and the free speech area, but he'll also remind you of the various um, championships, either UVA or Alabama wins, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Uh, so, Casey, what, let's, we've got a lot to get into. Uh, there's a lot of free speech uh, stuff that we're going to talk about in terms of where the Supreme Court's going, uh, other cases that you have. Uh, but right now, uh, in terms of how would you uh, summarize the importance of freedom of speech in this country? Well, it's critical, and I, and I think, unfortunately, it's, it's under attack right now um, on, on multiple, um, you know, from multiple different directions. Uh, it, it seems like uh, you know, you, you hear arguments right now that constantly begin, I defend freedom of speech, but, um, and everyone has an exception that they want to promote uh, to, to freedom of speech. And it's, it's quite a concern because, you know, ultimately, uh, that's, I think, has been the uh, most important thing that has held this country together. Yeah, let's talk, that, let's talk about uh, more about the exceptions afterwards. Sorry, we're coming up to a break. Let's talk about the hate speech exception, the other exceptions, why we can have freedom of speech, and why we have to be wary of the exceptions. 
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Sterrett, a partner at the law firm of Mauk and Baker. We're a Christian law firm in Chicago. Give us a call, 312-726-1243. If you have legal needs uh, and you need to talk to a Christian attorney, give us a call. Uh, our phone number is 312-726-1243. Or look us up online at maukbaker.com. This afternoon, we're talking with Senior Counsel of the Alliance Defending Freedom and the Director of the Center for Academic Freedom, uh, Casey Maddox. Casey, uh, thank you so much for being on. Thank you. And uh, sorry for uh, totally giving you the most open-ended question and giving you about 20 seconds to to talk about (laughs) the value of freedom of speech in America. Let's talk about, you you said one of the dangers is that the freedom of speech is under attack because a lot of people are proposing exceptions to the freedom of speech. In other words, we have to have the freedom of speech, but in these cases, we can allow the government to restrict it. So let's talk about those exceptions, and primarily the one that I'm interested in is the hate speech exception. So what is the attack there, and what are people arguing, and why we should limit the freedom of speech? Sure. You know, the argument there is basically, um, and you you see this a lot sort of in, um, I'll put it this way, this is a, the the argument that hate, hate speech um, you know, quote unquote, hate speech should be limited as a um, you know is a is a thing that can be limited, right? That the government can can weigh in and uh, prohibit hate speech is more of an argument that you see in the public than it is actually in case law. Um, the courts have been really, really clear that there is no such thing as a hate speech exception to the First Amendment, and most recently. Um, in uh, Mattal versus Tam, which is uh, often referred to as the Slants case, um, Supreme Court ruled nine to nothing uh, that essentially there is no hate speech exception to the First Amendment. But that does not stop people like uh, Howard Dean and a whole lot of people, usually from the left, um, on Twitter and on uh, online and on TV, screaming that there is is and should be a hate exception to the First Amendment. It's just simply not true. Uh, and it should frighten anyone, the idea that if you just fall into the, uh, this you know, amorphous term, that we'll tell you what it means later. Right. Uh, agree first that hate speech should be, should be banned and that you know, the government can prohibit something we'll call hate speech. And then we'll let you know later on what that means. Well, and um, I think that's the hard... there's no definition. There is no definition. I think that's the hard thing. I, I think Paul Coleman, who's an ADF attorney internationally, wrote a book called Censored, where he talks about hate speech legislation over in Europe, and uh, that's the real problem. Everybody, you know, want to say, they, they all want to be politically on, on that side where, oh, yeah, we're, we're against hate speech. But when it comes to putting pen to paper and coming up with a definition, uh, really you can't because it's essentially giving uh, the government carte blanche to say, well, you get to prosecute speech based on what you don't like or your constituency doesn't like. And that's the antithesis of the freedom of speech. So um, how do you see that going on in the courts? You said that the courts are uh, – that's not really an argument that's gaining ground in the courts. So is that even being argued by these universities that you're fighting against? Uh, how, how is that being handled by judges on both sides of the aisle, even though they shouldn't be on sides of the aisle? Yeah, usually what universities will do is that they, they enact these policies. Um, when, when we talk about speech codes on university campuses, of course, there's – you can search on a university website for the term speech code and you won't find anything. Sure. It, it usually comes up as a harassment policy um, or a computer use policy or facilities use policy, things like that that sound um, 
like something that uh, you know would be a non-issue, right? And so, for most students that we would work with, um, you know, they're usually conservative or Christian students who. Uh, when they see a harassment policy, they can't even imagine that they would be in violation of a harassment policy because, of course, they don't plan to harass anyone sexually or otherwise. The problem is when you read the rest of those policies, um, the title may say sexual harassment, but when you read the rest of the policy, it basically uh, prohibits any kind of communication that would offend anyone else. Or in the, the Iowa State case we handled recently, the policy there said uh, specifically said First Amendment protected expression may be harassment depending on the circumstances. And, of course, the circumstances were left to the administrators. They would just tell you after you've, you've spoken whether what you said was protected or uh, is something that, you know, in, in their view uh, was harassment, which means you get kicked out of school for it. Wow. You're listening um, to lawyers. So these, Go, hold on. Let me give uh, make sure. sure everybody knows who you are. Uh, right. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. This is the senior counsel with the Alliance Defending Freedom, Casey Maddox. He's the director of the Center for Academic Freedom. And uh, Casey, go ahead. I, I interrupted you, but I wanted everybody to know uh, this is somebody that has a, a lot of experience in this area, and this is going on a, in campuses across the country. Right. Um, so no, it's it's uh, you know you you just have to basically hand it over the, to the administration, let them. Uh, weigh in and decide uh, whether or not what you said is is protected or not, and that's you know it's a, it's a concern when you have administrators exercising that kind of power over student speech, um, and so ultimately we were able to uh, to prevail in that case and have those uh, those policies. Uh, changed. Yeah, and I think that's the, the what you pointed out to. The courts are here. The courts are, com- uh, in my experience, committed to the freedom of speech. The Supreme Court, in, in the 9-0 victory from the Mattel v. Tom case, appears unanimous in its commitment and reiteration. There's no hate speech exception. And here's specific language that I thought was just so important, um, and I think Justice Alito wrote this language, speech that demeans on the basis of race ethnicity, gender, religion, age, or disability, or any other similar ground is hateful. But the proudest boast of our free speech jurisprudence is that we still protect the freedom of freedom to exercise the thought that we hate. Uh, those were probably music uh, words that were music to your ears. They absolutely were, uh, because it, it undermines this entire approach from these, uh, these universities, uh, you know, attempting to argue that, well, Again, the First Amendment is great, but um, but we are going to have to have some limits on when we permit speech to exist. The, the you know the problem here is um, if you you can't affect what's it would be great if everyone just had uh, you know uh, nothing but positive thoughts about each other all the time. The reality is people have differing views, and you know the the safest best way to be able to handle that is to allow people to hash those views out in public. Um, and, you know, frankly, I think that's, that's better for everyone in the long term. You, you can't change what people believe. Uh, what you can do is allow people to be able to express what they believe, debate, dialogue with one another, uh, and see if there is even more common ground than they might have thought at first. So how do people uh, that aren't attorneys, so you and I are attorneys, and uh, uh, if you didn't hear Casey earlier, uh, his center is hiring. So if you're an attorney out there that wants to do freedom of speech uh, work, apply at AADF's website uh, for the job. But uh, how do parents and and other people who uh, may not be able to fight these cases out, um, how do these how do they help? How do they pitch in? Uh, how can they help keep the universities 
uh, to the freedom of speech line. Uh, what would you say to a parent out there that's listening, you know, what you can do, what you can contribute to this uh, effort? Right. Well, I mean, there's a number of ways. First of all, prayers are very welcome. Uh, you can, can find out a lot about the situations on our website at ADFlegal.org. Uh, um, but, you know, I, one of the things I think that, uh, that I would say is uh, educate yourself about schools before you are sending your child uh, to that school. And sometimes that can be difficult. We're hoping to have some better resources on that coming in the near future. Uh, but it can be difficult to know uh, and, and be able to really discern what's the difference between this school and another school on, on uh, free speech protections. But it's really important uh, to know what kind of environment your, your student is getting into uh, before they arrive and are paying large bills to this university, only to find out that they're not actually free uh, to engage in conversations with other students, which is frankly where a lot of learning takes place. Yeah, and I think um, uh, even so. with uh, ADF does a lot of this work, but uh, another group, FIRE, um, do you know what the FIRE acronym stands for? I always forget. Foundation for Individual Rights and in Education. There right? you there you go. Well, FIRE puts out a, a wonderful um, kind of map that uh, gives a color-coded red, uh, yellow, green light for the various universities across the, the country, um, you know, assessing the speech codes. Uh, does ADF have anything similar, or do you guys uh, look at FIRE's uh, resources as well? We, we do have some, uh, some similar resources coming pretty soon that will go a little further on, uh, on some issues, particularly on student activity funding issues and some of those. Um, and we'll have a new website coming very soon for the Center for Academic Freedom that will uh, kind of paint a picture of where we've been and what we've done um, around 400 different victories on different campuses around the country. So you'll get a better sense of uh, kind of what the scope of the problem has been and, and the different ways in which free speech rights are, are being challenged. Okay, great. Now, Casey, give us, your, give us ADF's website and how they can follow you specifically. Sure. Uh, it's, uh, you can go to adflegal.org. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CaseyMaddox underscore. And I would really encourage you guys to take a look at uh, all the work the Alliance Defending Freedom is doing, not only in the free speech uh, uh, context, but also religious liberty uh, in defense of marriage, in defense of the pro-life uh, cause. Great organization. Uh, the, Mal- the attorneys at Malcolm Baker uh, receive a lot of support and training through Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, Casey, we so appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. All right. Get, go forward. Uh, take the fight to the uh, universities, uh, and we just really appreciate you. We'll continue to pray for you at Malcolm Baker. Uh, thanks so, so much for coming on. And if you're out there and you have a legal need or a question, Want the perspective of a local Christian attorney? Contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243. Again, that's 312-726-1243. Or you could look us up online, which our website is com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. We're a Christian law firm in Chicago. We seek to just serve people with our legal skills, We do a lot of religious ministry work. Uh, We do a lot of representing uh, churches in the land use and zoning context. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Noel W. Starrett. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tune in next week to Lawyers for Jesus Radio, where we'll have another guest on to talk about faith at work in the law and in the marketplace.
have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. 